Hey loves, this is Kate, the founder of Loam, and I'm so grateful to you all for tuning in to Loam Listen. Today I'm talking to Chelsea Call, an artist, therapist, and educator living in unceded and occupied Tiwa lands, New Mexico, whose intersectional work focuses on facilitating healing through integrative investigations of the sensuous and material world. For those of you who have had a chance to page through our Beauty and Being publication, you'll know Chelsea from her stunning Desert Death photography series. Her work is special to many of us in the Loam community for its capacity to spark meaningful conversation surrounding grief, hope, and healing in the age of the Anthropocene, and I am really excited to listen to and learn from her. My conversation with Chelsea marks the first in a series of Loamless and Episodes now will illuminate the constellation of creatives who are working to bring our vision for Loam Home into being. Loam Home is an emerging community center and creative co-working space in Boulder, Colorado that connects artists, educators, activists, and entrepreneurs to immersive experiences and skill sharing in support of climate regeneration. Our mission is for Loam Home to model possibility in a shifting ecological and cultural landscape by being a truly intentional container for us to come into conversation with the stuff that scares us the most. Chelsea will help to coordinate our artists and residency programs at Loam Home, and we are wildly grateful to her for bringing her passion for eco-psychology and somatic healing to this project. The Loam Home fundraiser will launch on October 20th, and we hope you'll join us in making this collaborative vision a reality. With all that said, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Kate. So I'm really looking forward to digging into creativity with you today and how art can be a tool for processing grief and catalyzing healing in the Anthropocene. You hold a Master of Arts in Counseling and Art Therapy, as well as a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and so much of your work is about merging eco-psychology and embodiment, about rooting theory as it were in the senses. What experiences brought you to this work, and why is somatic processing so crucial to your creative process? Those are really great questions, and they're both tied together so intimately. And I originally came to somatic processing as a way to help me heal. Um, About 10 years ago, I was experiencing a great amount of anxiety And I've always been somatically oriented, although I didn't have that language about 10 years ago to identify it and name it. But I've always been someone who likes to be physically active. And a friend invited me to go to a yoga class with her. I was living in Fort Collins and going to Colorado State University. And we went to a class at the recreation center together. And after that, something clicked. And I think it was the combination of moving with breath in an intentional way that helped me see a pathway into alleviating and eventually healing my anxiety. And so I really think of this as the beginning of that work. And then that also opened up this doorway into this realm of art therapy, which I have studied and practiced now since 10 years ago. And being in my body is essential to any creative process for me. Um, Working therapeutically, self-care is a huge topic of conversation. And 
especially in this world that we live in, we really need to take care of ourselves with all the different traumas that I believe we're holding from generations and our ancestors. And one way to heal that I've experienced is through creativity and embodied somatic practices. So for me, it feels like it only makes sense to bring the two together. So you really work across a lot of disciplines in bringing the two together. You take incredible photographs. You offer art counseling and uh, creative services. And so I would really love to learn more from you about why this interdisciplinary approach where you're really working on multiple levels is so important to you for processing that trauma um, and really being a wholehearted activist during these times. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I feel a little too spread out in having interests in so many different disciplines, but I also am finding and realizing that in the day and age we're living within, it's essential to be interdisciplinary and nothing is truly disconnected. In my belief system, I feel that we're all interconnected and that's really at the root of eco-psychology as a concept, this interconnectedness. And for me, that manifests in mirroring and joining all these different disciplines. So it kind of only makes sense. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I think really what I'm what I'm cu- so curious about is how these different practices fulfill different parts of who you are and also respond to different needs that are being asked of us during these times. You know, so what is the role of photography and how does that fill a specific need in meeting the Anthropocene? And what is the role of creative counseling and how does that fulfill a specific need for you? Yeah, well, artists, I feel, are hold so much potential for activists because the visual language is a beautiful mode of communication. And so for me, photography has been a way for me to communicate with people visually. And I also feel that as an artist through photography or any other different medium that I'm using visually, it invites people to connect to their emotions and their feelings. And then within that, there's a place to have conversation, whether it's with oneself or others. And on the creative counseling It also fulfills those needs, but in slightly different ways. So um, holding space for others and connecting, again, this concept of interconnectedness comes up for me. And art gives permission. And I feel that everyone's creative. And so that's an inherent capacity for creating and healing. Can you walk us through what a creative counseling session might look like and how you help people connect to this idea of creativity as a birthright? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's always different depending on who I'm working with and where I'm working. I've done this work with individuals and also groups. And recently I've really found group work to be fulfilling. And 
it's also dependent on where one is, but I like to incorporate mindfulness. So usually doing a grounding meditation at the beginning or at the end of the session to create a safe space and container, because that's really at the groundwork of any of these sessions and processes is to let the nervous system feel safe and stable. So I found that meditation can be a helpful way to do this. And that's usually through some guided breath work. And then I'll invite an art directive, so a visual process. And again, this can take many different forms. But recently, I've really, well, for a while, I've really loved mandalas. Um, Just creating a circle on a piece of paper and then inviting anyone um, that I'm working with to create within that circle. So the circle creates a container and the idea is that it's a safe space for the psyche to then visually work out on. And Carl Jung, he developed union psychology, studied mandalas for a majority of his career as a psychotherapist. And mandalas are also ancient. So I really like doing this mandala directive with people right away because It doesn't require much artistic skill or ask for much artistic skill. And that's also the beauty of creativity as a birthright. It doesn't need to have a great amount of skill. I believe that everyone holds creativity within them and it doesn't have to manifest in a visual form. It can manifest in so many different ways. And for example, like even the way we dress ourselves can be creative and a way to express ourselves or the way we embellish our home spaces um, or even like handwriting. Um, I always find it funny because people will sometimes be really nervous to do an art therapy inspired creative counseling session because of this belief system that they're not an artist. And then I explained to them my belief that everyone's an artist and that everyone's born with inherent creativity. And I love this type of healing because it invites people into that. And there's also so much creativity throughout human history that I think we can look back on as examples of how people have always been creative. And yeah, I also change these sessions depending on what needs present within the session. So sometimes, for example, we'll be working with the mandala and then another need arises and we'll go from there. And yeah, there's so many really fun directives that I like to do. I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> That's what you're here for. <laughs> we want to listen to you. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> So I love what you said about everyone being an artist, because that really resonates at Loam. So much of what we're trying to do is open up the definition of what an environmental activist looks like um, and all the possibilities and potential within that work. And I feel the same about artists. There's so many different ways to show up for creativity and so many different ways to embody a creative life. And I love how your work is, as you shared earlier, giving people permission to do that, to see creativity and being an artist as, as not necessarily needing to have any one skill, but so much more about an approach to life. And it's in that vein that I would really love to learn 
from you about what creative practices are part of your everyday and help you continue to tend to your intrinsic artist? Mm-hmm. Well, recently I have actually been doing this mandala practice every morning as a part of my morning ritual and routine and it's really simple and quick where I'll take a bowl from the kitchen and I have this journal and I'll trace a circle and then sometimes I actually use my coffee drip and I'll paint with it within the circle to just bring about different shapes and lines and I'm participating in this program right now that's art and environmentally based, which has really supported me in my daily creative practice. So I've been trying to do more sketches. I also like to write. I feel like writing is a wonderful way to connect to creativity. And sometimes I'll write my dreams down. That feels like a really rich way for me to track myself and also bring about different creative processes and even just looking around at different colors that I'm attracted to or I find the natural world to be a huge source of inspiration and it's always showing up in my artwork so and I love where I live New Mexico is so beautiful to me and just watching the plants change, the plants bring me a lot of creative inspiration. And I feel like even just by looking at them and asking myself, what, dif- like, how can I look at these plants differently in different shapes and lines and colors and bringing about different forms within my mind's eye? And that's a way for me to connect to creativity. And I feel like everyone can do that. It's just, a slight reframe, I think, from how culture has traditionally labeled creativity and art. And I received a Bachelor of Fine Arts. I think you said that. And I loved my schooling, but I also feel like this traditional academic route of being an artist in some ways created different constraints and constructs that kept me from accessing creativity in a way. And that was the beauty of doing this art therapy program because I felt like it helped me detangle and deconstruct my inner critic that was really keeping me from creating art absolutely uninhibited. And I think that's where the greatest potential lies for healing is when we're able to access that place of creativity that doesn't have any judgments or critique, really. I love that. And I also loved Mm. that you referenced looking at plants Mm -hmm. and tracking their change Mm -hmm. as a source of creativity because Leah Thomas, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago, shared a similar story that just being around plants is this incredible source of inspiration. And it's such a sweet reminder that a creative life can bloom right where we are and that paying attention to plants is this is a beautiful gateway Mm -hmm. and so you shared a little bit about your land art project that you're currently a part of Mm -hmm. but I would really like to dig deeper into that Um, I know you were just out in the field doing work so yeah what is that like what are you doing and how is that supporting you right now in the larger work that you're doing yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. And it's 
beautiful timing that we're connecting at this moment because I'm in between field trips. So I'm participating in this program called the Land Arts of the American West, and it's through the University of New Mexico. There's this really incredible, unique program called Art and Ecology through UNM, and their master's level art and eco program offers this land arts program and it's a semester long in length and brings together different artists to look at environmental and social justice issues and it's a very unique experiential pedagogy of practice because we are primarily out in the field and that means we're at different sites in the southwest camping and creating art collectively and individually. So we go out for two weeks at a time. And one of those weeks is devoted to collaborative work, working with each other and working with the community where we are. And then the next week is working individually. So our only real commitments, unless there's a workshop or an educator coming to share their knowledge with us is to be present for breakfast at the morning at 7 a.m. and dinner in the evening at 7 p.m. And otherwise we take our lunch and we can go out into the field and whatever site we're at to create and explore the landscape. And it's been absolutely incredible. It's also been challenging, um, which I think is a part of this great growth period I'm experiencing learning about different environmental and social justice issues can feel very emotionally taxing for me because it's intense and there's a lot of change and hurt going on. And that's the beauty of the art practice is having this outlet for processing it. And then also being called to action. And a lot of the communities we've been working in have asked us to create art on their behalf. So for example, our first trip that was about four to five weeks ago now, one of the weeks we went to Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, and we met with some Diné elders who are at the forefront of the Frack Off Chaco movement, where they're fighting for justice and to end the fracking that's taking place in the Chaco region. And after going on this frack off fracking tour where we visited many, many different fracking sites and experienced the horrible impacts or witnessed it rather, we were then asked to create short films educating. And so I worked with two other artists and we created this short film that specifically focused on the impacts on the local community, um, human and non-human communities. So visually we shared through an illustrated stop motion style film, how the people were negatively being affected and that manifests physically and emotionally, and also how the natural environment's being affected negatively by fracking. So the animals and the plants and the soil and the water systems. So that's one example of one of the many projects I've been able to participate in while 
experiencing this program. And it's also been incredible to sleep in my tent on the earth for two weeks at a time. So I suppose it's been like four weeks total now. And next Tuesday, I'll go back out in the field. And it's been interesting coming back to Albuquerque, where I'm currently living and experiencing screens again. And um, because most of the places where we're camping in the field have no cell service, no Wi-Fi, and it's quite incredible. Um, I highly recommend it to anyone listening. If you've never taken a break from screens and media, I invite you to allow yourself that space for a little bit because it can be, in my opinion, a really interesting like personal experiment of sorts to track my nervous system and see how I feel upon disconnecting and then after reconnecting with the screen And as a creative, I think it's really important to disconnect from all the output. And while I do feel that social media in particular can be a great source of inspiration, I think it can also be a really healthy um, platform to step back from to reconnect to one's inner creativity. And that's been a beautiful aspect to the field is just disconnecting and unplugging to create. And while doing that in the field this past week, I was in Valle Vidal, which is in northern New Mexico, this beautiful, abundant valley where I was learning a lot about land literacy and specifically the forests up there and the fires that have taken place and how the trees are so incredible. I love trees, but I was able to learn a lot more about them. And we had a forest ecologist come and share his work with us for a day, which was so much fun because we were just walking through the forest, looking at different trees with him. And he was sharing about um, different issues within the landscape there and all of them being related to climate change and how the trees and the forests are being affected, which then affects everything else within this ecosystem. And from that, I found myself really attracted to the pine beetle um, that was aff- or is affecting the trees. And I was looking at the different markings and I'm still continuing to do this. I actually Later this afternoon, I'm going to go up into the Santa Fe National Forest with a really tall ladder and um, try to do tree size scale rubbings where I take a long drawing pad and press it up against the surface of the tree. And I've collected charcoal from the charred trees that had been burned in Vibe Doll, and I'm using that as a drawing material now. So a lot of the work that I'm currently creating is about raising awareness of different issues specifically related to climate change. And I'm really interested in these concepts of grief and hope and how grief manifests right now. And I've been reading a lot of different philosophy and I was just reading a Donna Haraway book while in the field, which really inspired a lot of my work as well. And she speaks to mourning and how the animals mourn as well, these different species that are going extinct. And so my current concentration, while it feels very interdisciplinary and is by nature, is 
very much looking at these microcosms, such as these tiny little beautiful intricate markings that the pine beetles are creating within the larger bark system, and then projecting that to a larger scale to generate conversations because it's not the pine beetle that's killing the trees. It's really this extreme change in temperatures. Um, And the pine beetles are just as valuable as the trees, but there is a rupture within the natural systems and patterns that have occurred. And so I don't know how we change that other than the only way I know how to change that is by creating visual platforms for conversations. So in these large scale works, and I have no idea if this project I'm going to do this afternoon is going to work, but the beauty of this artist program I'm currently in is that there's space to create and then a lot of things that I've tried haven't worked out and so then I step back and I recreate um so it's kind of a process of doing and undoing and creating and recreating and learning from my mistakes that I'm making because there have definitely been some of those and then re-entering from there and I've been spending a lot of time listening too when I go out off trail into the forest or whatever landscape we're in I I listen and the wind has been talking to me and I've been watching the wind a lot for its wisdom and I've been trying to create from there Chelsea that's so beautiful to hear I love how you're describing creativity it's this process of doing and undoing and creating and recreating and I do think it's so important right we don't know what the outcome of our work will be if it will have you know what kind of impact it will have but showing up and bearing witness and documenting what we can does feel like a really important part of honoring the life around us and and holding ourselves accountable to acknowledging change and something that I want to talk about too is earlier you shared about how you created a collaborative film inspired by conversations with anti-fracking protesters from Chaco Canyon and there's you know there's so many artists in the community who are doing this work who are telling stories to benefit communities right but it can also be telling another story is a really complicated relationship and so how do you as an artist you know, show up for helping support a community in telling their story? What does it mean for you to show up in right and reciprocal and regenerative relationship? What ethics are important to that process? Because I think that's such an important part of, of being an artist during these times is, is having those conversations. Yeah, that's a great question. And a really important topic to bring into these conversations. And as it really, I'm reminded of allyship as you asked this question. And in this specific circumstance that I was in, we were invited into this community. So I think that's really important as an artist, if you're interested in topics, specifically if they are related to a culture that's not of your own. Um, that it's important to 
be invited in or to show up. And as an ally, you can want to help. And I think listening is always the place to start from. Um, kind of just being an open cam- open book, blank canvas um, for listening and helping and assisting. And then just always checking one's own personal biases and histories and I mean it's so complex but so important to have the difficult conversations and to just be present to listening especially within these indigenous communities and I feel very very blessed to have worked with many of them since moving to New Mexico because they're such a beautiful community of indigenous peoples that have lived here for many, 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 many hundreds of years and are native to these lands that I'm able to live on. And so with Chaco, it was a lot about listening and I heard and felt the call and was directly invited to share this message and story after going on this anti-fracking tour. And So I'm trying to just tell as many people as possible. And the film is a beautiful way to amplify that because of social media's power to do that and easily send links to people out in the community. Um, Yeah. So just listen. I think that's like first and foremost of utmost importance and to just be aware of one's presence in different containers and environments and privilege is a big piece of this that always comes in for me. I'm a white bodied individual and with that comes a lot of inherent privilege and a great amount of responsibility as well. And also a lot of stepping back and um, just being a student to life and to others wisdom and learning from others different ways of living and being available to help and assist and support in whatever ways I can and whatever capacities that shows up in and art and creativity is the way that I've really found to connect to that. Thank you for sharing all of that Chelsea and for being so thoughtful I really resonate especially with the need to be invited in and to listen and to step back and to show up how we're being asked. I think that's so crucial and I know will be a benefit to so many in our community, myself included, who are really working through these big questions as we dive into collaborative creative work. And before we close, one last thing I want to explore with you is the relationship right now between creative practice and processing grief Um, because it feels like these are really heavy times and I know you know for a lot of people in the Loom community because we've been having both you know during our in-person events and through conversations with those of you online it's really clear that a lot of us right now are holding some deep sadness and sorrow for what's for what's happening and we're not quite sure how to move that energy through our bodies. And so how can creativity, how are you using creativity and art to sit with your grief or honor your grief or Mm -hmm. alchemize your grief? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that idea of alchemizing the grief. And there's so many ideas that come in for me as I 
think about responding to your question and use that embodiment. And I feel like walking is so important and breathing outside wherever you're stationed within the world or located. And if you're available and have the access to just walk and breathe outside, that's been hugely important for me. And I also adopted a dog a few years ago. And so she's an inherent excuse for me to get outside and breathe and walk every day. Um, But with the grief, sometimes I just need to sit still too and not move. I'm a mover. Um, Sometimes I maybe move too much. And so really, again, this listening keeps coming in. And I think the element of wind for (laughs) offering me this medicine because I need to listen to my body. And I feel like that is huge for everyone processing any feeling, but especially grief within these challenging times and also like beautiful podcast platforms like this, like listening to conversations that people are having. And I mean, grief is complex and it has different stages and manifests in different forms for different people in different ways, different days. And so there isn't like one prognosis for how to sit with it and be with it, but I know for myself, it's self-care, like always coming back to how I can take care of myself and making that a priority and staying connected has really been important for me in processing grief because I know especially in the past year, I'm really diving into this work. There have been moments where I've felt almost suffocated by my grief and it's, it's very collective. It's looking at the world around me that's changing, feeling into the natural world around me that is changing. And I mean, the word extinction is a reality right now um, for different species. And it's really heartbreaking. And I think of Iceland just mourning the loss of the glacier there and that beautiful ceremony that took place. And I think that's a gorgeous example of honoring grief in these times. And that can take a creative avenue. Um, Like ceremony is inherently creative to me. And often these like creative counseling sessions I'm doing are, in my opinion, a form of ceremony because there's a spiritual quality to it. And I think that's inherent in everything that we do as living, breathing beings, whether you want to call call it spirituality or not um there's this presence of energy and spirit and for me that can be a source of strength as well um when I'm feeling really difficult grief and sometimes use this metaphor of the vacuum for depression which can manifest and has manifested for me in a low-grade way within the grief that I've experienced um calling on my support and that can be a way to help me come kind of climb out of the vacuum. It creates like a ladder from this dark vacuum to come back up and to look back at all my ancestors and how far they've come and their resiliency and to be reminded of that and to know that that's in my cells and I carry that with me and all of us do like all of us are in this present moment of time for a purpose. And because of the resilient 
persons behind us and prior to us were able to be here. And although sometimes it can feel a little hopeless, um, we are incredible, incredible creatures and the creatures around us are incredible as well. And even the forests, after they burn, they come back to life and that's a vivid example of resiliency and how we can grieve, um, grieve in these times. And I think just being reminded of the power of transformation and transmutation can help me grieve and to know that everything's changing and moving. And again, that's one of the many reasons I love the natural world. Like right now it's fall and the leaves are changing and it's a reminder that it's okay for me to change and for my feelings to change and the world is going to keep changing. And so for me, there's a process of surrender that pairs with my grief, um, that I don't have control over the circumstances around me, but I do have the ability to monitor and take care of myself and show up for my grief. I think just honoring it and holding a place for it's really important in these times and then alchemizing it to bring back that beautiful word that you said earlier. I think that there are so many ways grief can move and empower us to show up and change with the times and have these really incredible conversations Thank you for that, Chelsea. So much in there was such a gift. And I want to thank you again for sharing with us today. I have so much love for you and the work that you do, as well as for being such an invaluable part of the Loam Home vision. It really means so much to our community. I also want to give a big thanks to Isaac Silk for editing our podcast and to Isaac and Faith Harding for a sublime intro music. And to you all, our Loam listeners, thank you so much for being in this community. You all are a source of light during these difficult days.